In February 2004, Maura Murray emptied her bank account, drove four hours from school, crashed her car, got out, and vanished. Everyone has a theory. Was she murdered? Was it suicide? Did she run away? Join the search as an investigative reporter and former U.S. Marshal uncover new evidence, interrogate new witnesses, and trace down new leads in this riveting new investigative series. The Disappearance of Maura Murray, Saturdays at 7, 6 Central, and 9, 8 Central on Oxygen, the new network for crime. February 9th, 2004. College student Maura Murray emails her professors. She says there was a death in her family. But it's a lie. She packs her belongings, withdraws all the money from her bank, picks up some alcohol, and leaves town. Four hours later, she crashes. And then, Maura Murray disappears. Forever. She was gonna graduate and had plans with the, the boyfriend until we're gonna go do their life. She was a role model for me. Such a driven individual. Maura, she had that intoxicating smile. Having no closure and always wondering is the most painful part of all of this. Where is Maura Murray? What happened to her? They had no tracks at all from the accident scene into the woodlands. You don't have any signs of foul play. People were watching this happen, yet she vanished into thin air. Did she commit suicide? Was she running from someone or running to someone? Did Maura run away to start a new life? If she's alive, then somebody helped her. This is beyond a missing persons case. Something ominous happened here. Or was she abducted and murdered? It makes you think that this is a serial killer. It's difficult to rule anyone out until you know what happened. You cannot trust anybody. Her family, policemen, people who were on the scene. We don't know what happened. We don't have all these secrets. How does someone just vanish? We don't know where she is, and we don't know where she was going, and we've never named a suspect in this case. Where is my daughter? Murray vanished in February of 04 in a small New Hampshire town near the base of the White Mountains. No one has heard from her. She would do that to us. Every time someone comes to the door, I think it may be good news. We just want to let her know that it's fine. We just want her to come home. We're not going to stop searching until we find Maura. I don't know why she went. I don't know the combination of circumstances and events. I want to know what happened to my daughter. Maura left behind her parents, two sisters, and two brothers. Thirteen years later, it's astonishing to me that they are still searching for answers. My name is Maggie Freeling. I'm a journalist and a public radio producer. I'm looking for the truth about what happened to Maura Murray. 
Mora's case is personal for me. I went to UMass, the same school she attended. And while I was a journalism student there, her disappearance haunted me. How could a student, a young woman like me, like my friends, go missing? Right here in New Hampshire, hours away from her home. Mora grew up in a working-class town south of Boston. She was an overachiever. In high school, she was a star on the basketball and track teams, winning the district in the mile her senior year. An honor student, she scored a 14-20 on her SATs. The five top-ranking students in the senior class, Mora Murray. Recruited by Ivy League schools like Harvard, she could write her ticket, and she did. Mora chose West Point, one of the nation's most difficult schools to get into. She transferred to UMass her junior year to become a nurse, just like her mother. Her life seemed to be poised for success. And then, she was gone. Law enforcement says with nothing new to go on, they've suspended the ground search, but efforts to find Mora Murray continue. Police at UMass Amherst are interviewing schoolmates, hoping to find some clues as to why she traveled to New Hampshire in the first place. Mora's story is one of the most prominent missing persons cases of the social media age. She went missing the same week Facebook launched. And in the social media climate we now live in, everyone broadcasts their ideas. Some of them believe the police botched the case and are involved in a cover-up. Behavioral police, they're lying about stuff, making stuff up. Others think the family is hiding something and that Mara was afraid of her own father. I'm convinced that Fred outright lied to the people that are trying to find his daughter. Everyone has a theory. What if Mara was picked up by locals and then OD'd at a party? I think Mara was having an affair. Didn't a girl the same age disappear near there? Her name was Brianna Maitland, right? Is this the work of a serial killer? These online rants are now absolute truths to some people. But the real issue is that they might have clouded progress in Mora's case or any resolution for the family. I need to sort through all of this noise and find the truth because the bottom line is that there is an injustice here. Whatever theory proves to be the right one, something really bad could have happened to Mora. And I believe that Mara, like the 70,000 women who are currently missing in the U.S., deserves this type of investigation. My first stop is to the suburbs of Boston to meet a pair of wildly popular true crime podcasters. The Missing Mora Murray podcast has had over 8 million downloads since July of 2015. Tim Polari and Lance Rinstierna have been exploring Mora's case for two years and recorded over 40 episodes. When you first start looking into this case, it's extremely overwhelming because of the amount of information that's out there. They've pored over the countless angles and theories of Mora's disappearance in their own attempt to find the truth. How'd you guys get interested in the case? 
just uh, being interested in in true crime overall, and uh, Mora's case always comes up. Once you start reading about it, it just starts like unlayering and unfolding, and just before you know it, you're like down the rabbit hole. The mystery within the mystery is why was she heading up there in the first place? Do you guys have an opinion on why you think she was heading up there? I can't really say I do. We tried really hard to not have theories. Tell me a little bit about the crash. Uh, Well, based on the um, police uh, transcripts and the uh, call log, a neighbor calls at 727. A bus driver pulls up who's also a neighbor and talks to her. She said she already called AAA, which is a lie because there's no cell phone service up there, so she could not have gotten a call. And he knew that immediately. Yeah. And I think that is like the most fascinating thing, at least for me, is that this accident happens, there were eyes on the accident. It, it is in the White Mountains in New Hampshire, but there's a house there, there's a house here. Someone pulls up and talks to her. There's phone calls made to uh, 911. And right at this moment where apparently everybody turned around or wasn't looking, she's gone. And that window of opportunity is like, mind-blowing to me. It's baffling. How long is that window? Um, you can probably narrow it down to about seven minutes. Figuring out why Mora vanished sometime during those seven minutes when the neighbors turned away and didn't see anything is crucial. Although Mora disappeared in a remote part of New Hampshire, the road she crashed on was well-traveled. She could have run away and hopped in a car, and that person may not remember that moment 13 years ago. It might have been a small moment in that person's life. Or she was picked up by someone. Maybe that person wanted to fool around with her or something, and uh, she rejected that person, and uh, who knows where it went from there. It makes you think that, oh, this is a serial killer. This is someone who followed her and waited for that moment and grabbed her. Tim and Lance have made many trips to the region where Mora crashed her car. The locals up there will tell you that they think she was abducted. That holds a lot of credence to me because, well, they know each other. And there are some creepy people in that area. The more you look into the people, a lot of them have things to hide. A lot of them have skeletons in their closets. But it's not just the locals who have strong theories. Tim and Lance's podcast feeds all kinds of speculation. It's difficult sometimes to weed out the people who um, have the better intentions and the people who, you know, online sociopaths and just want to intimidate or throw mystery and intrigue into the situation, like the coordinates. The email subject just said, um, stop looking, Moore's body's there. So you do a map search, you find the coordinates. It's White Mountains, it's uh, Mount Kerrigan. Good conditions there and back. Without making any uh, stops, it's like a seven and a half hour. Full day, like it's a full day hike. They weren't sure if this was a real tip or something made up by an online troll. But they had planned to check it out just in case until the ugly side of the web became a frightening reality. Before we took our trip, another email came in The timing was interesting. So we started engaging with the person a little bit. It was was probably a a mistake looking back. We started getting some emails that were getting to a point where they were kind of veiled threats towards us. It made it seem like the person knew what happened to Mora. At that point, our uh, anxiety level was pretty high. We were uh, 
watching over our shoulder. We start really thinking, well, hell, someone could be monitoring our emails or our computers or something. That's scary. Yeah. So we started thinking that it might be a trap. Tim and Lance's story about the threats they received while exploring the disappearance of 21-year-old Maura Murray makes me worried about my own search. You didn't get to do what you wanted to do. You were so scared you left. Right. Right. Who should I speak with that you guys have not spoken with? Fred Murray. So you guys have not spoken with the family. Why do you think they won't speak with you? Well, we know that they won't speak with us because they were... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do we, do we say this? Yeah, um, sure. They, they, we know that they won't speak with well, us because of the James Renner factor. Yeah. The first email that we sent to the Mari family, we got back, copied and pasted uh, blog posts from James's blog. Blog posts that didn't make Mora or her family look very good. So uh, we understood in that, in that response that they're mad at us for, for talking to James Renner and working with him. We're about to have true crime author James Renner on. Thanks for having me. James Renner is the focal point of much speculation surrounding this case. He wrote a best-selling book and has a popular and controversial crowdsourcing blog about Mora. From day one, Fred Murray wanted nothing to do with this book. When the father of a missing woman says he doesn't want any national exposure of his daughter's case, that raises some serious red flags. Talk to me a little bit about James Renner. So he's opinionated and aggressive in his investigation. He has dug uh, pretty deep into the case. He um, has pulled a lot of records through the Freedom of Information Act and just uh, calling around. So he's accumulated a lot of information on his blog and in his book. Um, Say what you will about him. His research and his dedication to that blog opened the case up to a lot of people really opened the case up to us. Okay, so I don't want to overwhelm you with a ton of information. Lay it all on me. But this is a good good uh, starting point here. You're going to give her that? It's uh, the dispatch logs, timeline. Please, any questions, let us know. Tim and Lance gave me their information about Mora's drive to the crash site a timeline of events and documents pertaining to the case. What they can't give me is access to Mora's family or to New Hampshire's close-knit law enforcement community. Two groups who might hold all the answers who are being blamed for covering up details about what happened to Mora. But they gave me one contact that I think can help. Hi, Art. Hi, Maggie. Thanks for calling. Thanks for coming. Art Roderick spent 25 years in the U.S. Marshals Service. He was the lead investigator on high-profile cases, such as Ruby Ridge, the D.C. Sniper, and the escape from Alcatraz. He's a specialist in finding people and knows how law enforcement works. Today, he's one of CNN's go-to law enforcement analysts. As best you can, remove your emotions from it. Art also has connections to the Murray family. He's recently gotten to know Mora's father, Fred, and has started exploring her case. Did you know the case and then met Fred, or did you know Fred and then? This is a fairly notorious case. Uh, it's all over the internet. 
I just want to help more his family. And then I talked to Fred. He works in the hometown that I that I live in down on Cape Cod. So we've got yeah, we've got a connection there. How would you approach a case like this? Like, where do you want to start? Well, to me, the reason why she went up there is going to answer what was she doing on that road in the middle of the night? What was happening in her life? That what was happening in her life exactly? You know, from my understanding, the family has been kind of cagey and haven't really talked to the media about this in some time. The cagey stuff, you know, this is some of the stuff we've got to sift through. A lot of this stuff has been implied on the internet or in books. Is it true? The only way we're going to know that is to talk to Fred. Right. Fred is going to be a tough nut to crack, and he can be up in your face at times. In the days after his daughter's disappearance, Fred was a familiar face on television. Where is she? What happened right after that? Where was she the next day when the police weren't looking? And often when he was shown on TV, he blasted New Hampshire law enforcement. If they're not going to be part of the solution, I don't want them to be part of the problem. Fred didn't sit down to a formal interview with the police for nearly five and a half years. And when he did, he brought his attorneys with him. Law enforcement, investigators, journalists, and most notably web sleuths have criticized Fred and questioned his motives. Wouldn't a dad want to do everything in his power to help with the investigation? The online world in particular has run wild with this theory. Art has agreed to work with me on this project and has suggested that I start with Kurt, Mora's younger brother. Kurt was just 16 when Mora disappeared, so he hasn't been caught up in all the craziness of this case. He can help me begin to understand what Mora was really like as a person. And I can get my first look inside the Murray family. If their father was responsible in any way, Kurt would certainly have some insight. She used to babysit me all the time, and she'd, she'd just tell me, you know, work hard, you can accomplish whatever you want. You know, I'm here, I did it, why can't you? And she was a role model for me, you know. She was just such a driven individual. She was very happy when she got into West Point and was able to, you know, follow Julie there, and I was her big sister, you know. Julie and her were so close, and they were both real competitive as far as track goes and breaking each other's records and things like that. The Murray sisters were constantly competing with one another, both in high school and then at West Point. Their dad, Fred, had coached them growing up. Fred pushed the girls, you know. He was always there supporting them, helping them train. You know, you can just tell how close they were, you know, just seeing them talk and the way they joke around together and, you know. When Mara disappeared, how did it affect your mom? Oh, it crushed her because my mother was sick on top of it. She had been diagnosed with cancer. And I know it really bothered her not to be able to take a more active role being up in New Hampshire searching. And I saw that toll it took on her. For the next five years, Maura's mother, Lori, was increasingly sick. Her illness, combined with Maura's absence, would eventually consume her. Mom passed away on Maura's birthday. So May 4th is one of the most difficult days of the year for me. It's kind of weird because They're forever linked now. It was almost as if she was waiting for that. So I'm still not over it. I never will be, (laughs) you know. 
What do you think about all of the stuff that's out there on the internet about Mora and her disappearance? I just wish people would realize that this is very, very painful for all of us. A lot of it came from a journalist who was trying to write a book. It's just preposterous. That journalist is Cleveland-based writer James Renner. His name keeps coming up, and he is clearly the most controversial person connected to Mora's case. There was Mr. Renner in his book, and falsely leading people to believe that Fred would in any way have anything to do with Mars disappearance or, you know, molestation or anything like that is just outrageous. I need to speak with James Renner. Hey, James. I'm Maggie Freeling. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Maggie. Nice to meet you. I've heard you're, nice. you're out there digging around. Yeah, I, I am, and I have so many questions for you. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad you reached out. You know, there's definitely some some information you need to have before you go much further. The thing about Maura Murray's life at the time of her disappearance is her life was essentially falling apart. Understand that as you're talking to people, is is they all they all have reason to lie to you. Um, everybody in this case lies. Crime writer James Renner has just warned me about investigating the disappearance of Maura Murray. Well, my antennas are up. If you're free, maybe you can share some of your documents and stuff with me. Sure. Welcome to come out. I'm curious why he thinks everyone connected to Maura's case is lying. That's a pretty strong statement. But before I meet with James, I want to get away from the controversy for a moment. I want to retrace Mora's drive from UMass to see what she saw and might have experienced the day she disappeared. So there's Kennedy on the left. That's her dorm. That's where she was living. Okay. So her car probably would have been parked in one of these lots. Right. Will this car ride give us any new insight? Her behavior seemed so strange. She lied about a death in her family, told no one about her trip, emptied her bank account, and had a car full of alcohol. I think that we should definitely go hit the spots she was at, the ATM, the liquor store, and drive up to Haverhill. All right. Yeah, let's just time this out for accuracy. It took Mora roughly three hours and 45 minutes to stop and run these two errands. The only two we know about and end up in New Hampshire. All right. So I'm going to go... Go for it. When I see you at the machine, I'll start the stopwatch. In 2004, the police acquired surveillance footage of Mora from this exact ATM location. And this is where it gets interesting. How police handled Mora's investigation has led to a flurry of questions. They have never released these images. Why? Police usually share this kind of footage... You see it on the local news all the time when someone goes missing. So what could be within those images that needs to be kept hidden? Or who else could be in them? Liquor store? Liquor store. That's next. Yep. Police have not released the receipt from this store, but they did tell the public the time it was stamped. February 9th, 3.43 p.m. The cops have also said there was alcohol found in Mora's car. A box of red wine, Bailey's, and eight vodka wine coolers left over from a 12-pack. 
Was Mora going to a party, meeting someone, or just getting away for a few days? The police think that Mora was drinking and driving. They think it's the cause of her crash. All right, so that took about five, six minutes. So that's pretty good. Now from here, this is where she just starts driving north, as far as we know. Okay. Let's do it. Right now, right here, what was she thinking? Yeah, I mean, what was she doing? Where was she going? Why was she going there? When did she start drinking? Did she start right here or did she start further up? I mean... Mara's journey north was long, over 130 miles, passing out of Massachusetts into Vermont and finally into New Hampshire. It just doesn't make any sense she'd be up there kind of in the middle of the White Mountains, not having a destination to go to. Right, right. On a dark night in February. Right. Okay, this is our exit here. Yeah, exit 17. Okay. What I'm wondering is why did she get off here like this seems like it's not like there was a gas station right off the highway no she would have to know to turn here look you gotta make that right and then this left it's so windy seems like you either have to know exactly where you're going or have no idea where you're going if she was lost wouldn't she have stopped at any one of these places and turned back around or something yeah i'm sure some of i mean you've got a couple of restaurants that were open Yeah, maybe she could have stopped and eaten at one of these places. Right, yeah. And, you know, she could have fueled up here. She's going to pay cash so there wouldn't be any record of the transaction. If Morris stopped, did she come in contact with someone? And if so, was that someone involved in her disappearance? The deeper we travel into New Hampshire, the more treacherous the road becomes. I'm going to say I do not think she was drinking and made it up here. I think that if she was going to crash, it would have been much sooner. But the being drunk, I find to be kind of critical because people are saying, you know, she was drunk, so she ran away from the site. But I'm thinking she's not drunk, so did she run away from the site or did somebody snag her? Do you have any cell? No, no service. No cell service? No cell service. Pretty close to the accident site. So it's going to be right, right up here. Right up here. Just right around the corner. Oh, wow, look here. at this turn. Wow. There it is. There it is. Wow. So this is it. This is the exact spot where Mora crashed her Saturn, miles away from any town in the freezing cold, with no cell service. Okay, I just stopped the stopwatch. Two hours, 39 minutes added on, which would be 6.20. So we have about an hour time discrepancy right now. Holy crap. Mora crashed her car around 7.27 p.m. So it took her an hour longer to get here than it took us. Why is that? I mean, if we could figure out what happened in that hour. I think it's just very key. 
figuring out the answer to the missing hour could be pivotal. It could help explain why she was up here in the first place and how she disappeared. Refueling your car, going to the bathroom, and sitting down and getting something to eat. That could fit, but we don't know if she did that. I mean, that's... We don't. That's what's puzzling... You know, she could have bumped into somebody coming out of the liquor store. Bumped into somebody. If she was with a friend, what does that friend know about where she went? I just think that person has no reason to hide anything, and they would come. They would have come forward already. I agree with you. So it's got to be unless she was, she was running away, right? Because that that's too. the theory that she doesn't want to be found, and this friend is still protecting her. We have got to figure out what happened in that hour. Art and I just retraced Mora's steps to the place where she crashed her car and disappeared in 2004. But we did it one hour faster than Mora did. I need to figure out what happened during this missing hour. And the best way to do that is to understand why Mora lied and so abruptly ran out of her life that day. If anyone might have an answer, it would be her sister, Julie. They went to West Point together and were close growing up. Like Fred, Julie has been accused of hiding information and she rarely speaks to the media. Art has arranged an interview thanks to his relationship with Fred. Hi. Come on in, Julie. Thanks. Hi, Maggie. Hi. Julie, nice how to meet you. you. Nice Good. to meet you. You're her older sister. How many years apart were you guys? Two and a half. Tell me about your relationship with her. Like, how close were you? Well, we were really close. Um, we started running because we saw my dad running and he was always training for the Boston Marathon. Growing up, we never wanted to disappoint my dad. We wanted to make him proud. I'm so curious what it's like to go to West Point. It's just every minute of every day is you're stressed. You're just stressed to the max. But it's a lot of mental stresses, not only physical, but it's also mental. Right. The gritty people make it through. It doesn't, talent doesn't really play a factor right. in whether you're going to make it through the first six weeks or not. When you guys were at West Point, did she talk to you about personal stuff? Yes. I mean, we were on the cross-country team and track team together at West Point, so it was gossip, you know, boys, whatever. Julie and Maura would often talk about Bill, Maura's boyfriend, who she met her sophomore year at West Point. They dated long distance when she transferred to UMass and were talking about marriage. What did the family think of him and their relationship? Were you guys excited? Bill's a, he's a talker and he was kind of a little much for me, for my liking, <laughs> like. I see the hesitation when yeah, they ask I don't you wanna, about Bill. Yeah. Did he yes. make her happy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so, but well, I don't like the fact that it's possible he was cheating on Mara. One of the girls on the track team, who was one of my friends, said she had some some incident with Bill. When exactly was that? When I was a senior. And I so was a, Bill was a senior, too. Yeah. yeah. Mara was at UMass. Mara was at UMass. Did you encourage her to break up with him? When I first told her about the incident, yeah, I was like, like I think you need to move on. In most criminal cases, the boyfriend or husband is the first person police look at. If Julie's right and Bill cheated on Mora, maybe there is more to their relationship than we know. 
Maybe it's why she left UMass. Or it could explain why Mora was so secretive about her trip. Maybe she didn't want Bill to know about it. I think it's worth looking into. If you had to guess why she was driving up there. My guess would be to take a couple days and clear her head, but it doesn't make sense to go up there alone. I know this is tough. What was the last conversation you had with her prior to that? We were talking about spring break. Did she seem excited about it? Yes. One of her friends from UMass, and we were going to go to Myrtle Beach. That's why when all this stuff happened, it completely surprised everyone. Was that like a day or two before she yep. drove up? Yeah. And there was nothing that you could see that was odd about? No. Any of the communication you were having with her? At that none. None whatsoever. Did she mention anything about taking this trip? Nope. Nothing? Nothing. I want to talk about your dad for a little bit. Okay. There's been a lot of uh, negative light put on him in the media. Where do you think a lot of that comes from? My dad, although he's portrayed in different media outlets as being this <laughs> aggressive, you know, hard-nosed guy that pushed us, it wasn't that. We, we didn't want to let him down. We didn't want to disappoint him. Who were some of those people? All over any kind of blogs, Reddit blogs, um, James Renner. It just complete mischaracterization of my dad. So anyone that knows my dad knows that it's just not worth their time even paying attention to. What do you think happened? Something bad happened. Something went wrong. Her initial plan was maybe to go up there for whatever reason, no one knows, but then something happened and derailed that plan. If she was able to reach out and contact us and say, hey guys, stop worrying, I'm here, I'm fine, she definitely would have, but that didn't happen. What do you think needs to be done that has not been done yet? Well, I think the FBI should have been brought in initially from the beginning because nobody had any answers and there was changes in the police reports and it took forever for the police report to be published. But nobody, none of the police contacted me. I've never been, I've never talked to the police and I'm her sister who was closest to her. Law enforcement hasn't spoken to her once in 13 years. This stops me in my tracks. That plays into the theory that something is suspicious about the way the police handled the case. The police never contacted you? No. No law enforcement persons ever talked to you? No. Do you think that if the police had interviewed you sooner, there was maybe something you could have remembered? Absolutely. I mean, we're, I'm, I'm trying to remember 13 years ago. Right. But of course, if someone had interviewed me three days or questioned me three days after, I would have... Had that exact info. The investigation might have been hurt by not interviewing Julie and affected the ability to determine why Mora left and where she was heading. Um, the just, cops didn't interview her? I know. That is kind of shocking to me. From a law enforcement perspective, like how much of a mess up is that? It's a mess up. Even when I have to testify, I always refer back to my notes or the report that I did at that particular time because you're going to forget those types of details. It's not like she did a, some type of investigative report afterwards to outline everything her and Maura had talked about. So I, but I she think probably it is could have back then. She, she could have 
given a statement to law enforcement, you know? Yeah, I think it's a missed opportunity for the police. Mora's father, Fred, has been highly critical of the police. They've hit a stone wall. They're not going forward. But is he just looking for someone to blame? Art has set up a meeting. Fred is our next stop. Julie and Kurt said lovely things about him as a dad, and they've given me absolutely no indication that there is any reason to be suspicious of him. But I can't get it out of my head that James Renner believes everyone involved in this case has a reason to lie. I have to figure out who's telling the truth. I went through a collection of old stuff that I have that I've saved. These are from Mara, but I don't even know the age. Dear Dad, I just want to remind you that you are, always will be the best dad in the world. And she get a picture of the world here. <laughs> that's, that's Mara's version of the world. Tell me a little bit more about Mara. How would you describe her? If you met her, you'd love her. So quick to laugh. She'd make you laugh. She's funny, you know? Really funny. Uh, she's the sweetest kid, you know? I brought some uh, old report cards down, and it's all A's, you know? She'd get determined, you know? And she'd do whatever she had to do. And just a, 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 this tiny little girl, you know? Tell me more about Maura being a kid. What was she like? She was always there. <laughs> Very attentive, keeping a sharp eye on Julie. Kathleen, the oldest sister, dropped off a little bit and hung out with more of her friends. But Julie and Mara went with me all over the place. Mora and Julie spent a lot of time with their dad, not only training, but also hiking and camping. I knew that I would never have enough money to, to give them anything big, like vacations and things like that. The, the kids were so happy just to go camping and be dashing around the woods and hiking and swimming in the rivers up there. Maura and her family spent a lot of time in Bartlett, New Hampshire, at the edge of the White Mountains, near the border with Maine, one and a half hours east of where Maura crashed. There's a chance that's where Maura was heading, but maybe she got lost and turned off at the wrong exit. What I'm wondering is, why did she get off here? Seems like you either have to know exactly where you're going or have no idea where you're going. Tell me more about New Hampshire. Were you surprised when her car was found up there? Yeah, I I, I think she was really upset about something that, that drove there. I don't know why she went, but that place she loved so much, it would give her a solace. I mean, I, I can see that happening. What do you think happened tomorrow? Guy grabbed her walking down the road and killed her. Probably that night. I just wish I could sit down and talk with Mara for one, just a, a short time. What would you say to her? I wouldn't have to say anything. I wouldn't need to say anything. If she came up the stairs right there, 
Neither one of us would need to say anything. Fred seems to be so different from the cagey old man everyone warned me about. In fact, it seems like all he wants to do is talk about Mora. And it's caught me off guard. I mean, if she were on foot up there, even on that dark road, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, no one to call for help. I can't talk about it. What'd you think of Fred? I was really actually blown away by Fred. I mean, he poured his heart out. Yeah, it's hard to sit there and listen to him when he starts really getting into memories of war. He to talk about everything. Everything. Fred painted a really positive image of Mora. But my gut tells me there's a lot more to this story. And I understand now why everyone was warning me about the layers of this case. Fred says Mora was going to clear her mind. So something was troubling her. After talking with Fred, I really want to talk to James Renner. Renner's going to be an interesting interview. James Renner devoted the last five years of his life to the investigation, uncovering secrets the family has supposedly kept hidden. James, nice Hi, to meet nice you. Hi, nice to meet you. Art, good hey, to meet you. Hey, Art. James. Come on in. Thank you. You know, I think everybody that's drawn to this mystery is drawn to it because of the puzzle. People come to it to try to be a hero, and they think that they're going to be smart enough to crack it. But this case, it weighs on you. You will become obsessed with this case. If you haven't already, you will. Can you lay out for me what your theory is that happened? So when you really start looking at this case specifically, there's no happy ending. I will tell you this, it's not a crime in the United States to disappear as an adult. You have that right. Why would she want to disappear? I think she was running from the men in her life. Now more than ever, I'm convinced Moore is alive. And I think I got really close to finding her. For more on this case, visit Oxygen.com. On February 9th, 2004, Maura Murray nearly emptied her bank account, drove four hours from school, crashed her car got out, and disappeared. Everyone has a theory. Some people think she was murdered. Some people think she committed suicide. Others think she ran away. What do you think? And there's a new search. As an investigative reporter, a former U.S. Marshal, two wildly popular podcasters uncover the evidence, interrogate witnesses, and track down new leads in this riveting new investigative series. The Disappearance of Moore Murray. Saturdays at 7, 6 central and 9, 8 central on Oxygen, the new network for crime.